This podcast is made possible by the generous support of Lilly Oncology. Hello, I'm Jamie DiPolo, Senior Editor at BreastCancer.org. We're podcasting on location from the 2019 San Antonio Breast Cancer Symposium. My guest is Dr. Jack Kuzik, Director of the Wolfson Institute of Preventive Medicine and Head of the Center for Cancer Prevention at the Queen Mary University of London, where he holds the title of John Snow Professor of Epidemiology. He is internationally known for his research showing that tamoxifen could be used to treat estrogen receptor positive breast cancer, as well as his work to develop the Tyrer Kuzik model for breast cancer risk evaluation, which helps women and their doctors estimate a woman's risk of developing breast cancer. At this conference, he is presenting the latest results from the International Breast Cancer Intervention Study 2 prevention trial. The study looked at whether five years of the aromatase inhibitor Arimidex, which has the chemical name of anastrozole, can reduce breast cancer risk in women who have higher than average risk of the disease. Dr. Kuzik, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. So in 2003, you presented results that showed Arimidex reduced risk by about 53% compared to placebo. Can you sort of summarize these latest results? And this was after almost 11 years of follow-up, correct? Yes, that's right. So, So that original study showed a very big effect, but primarily during the period in which the patients were taking treatment. Um, this now looks at the post-treatment uh, interval and goes out, we have good data that goes out to about 12 years. The median follow-up is just 11 years, but there's, a, there's adequate follow-up to go out to 12 years. And the results were very, very encouraging. Uh, they showed a continued benefit carrying on out right out to that period and no, no indication that it was dropping off near the end. Now, when you just look at just the first five years, you're finding now about a 60% benefit and if you look at the period from year five to year 12, it's about a, a 30, it's 36% benefit year on year. So that's still bigger than the tamoxifen benefit, which was about 30% in the longer term. So we think the efficacy looks very, very good. Okay. And there were about 4,000 women in the study, is that right? Yeah, just under 4,000. Okay. Yeah. And how did you determine if they had a high risk of breast cancer? Well, there were a number of ways in which you could be high risk. Um, the most common was to have a, a, a mother or sister with breast cancer under the age of 50 or to have two breast cancers in the family. The other approaches um, which were not so common were to have dense breasts, which we know are high risk but was not used so widely then, or to have a benign breast lump that had atypical features which indicated a subsequent high risk of breast cancer as well. So those are the primary uh, criteria. Okay, and was there, I don't know if you have this number in the study, but was there an average amount of increased risk for the women in the study that you could say, like, you know, did uh, they the, have a 20% higher yeah, risk? Yeah, they had about a doubling of risk compared okay. to the general population, yeah. Okay. Um, and we know that now, based on this study, Rimidex seems to be better than tamoxifen in yeah. reducing risk, yeah. at, at least with these results so far. Yeah, so we knew that for the treatment of breast cancer, postmenopausal breast cancer, some time ago, primarily with the ATAC trial. And this is a follow-on now looking at the same, uh, looking at uh, prevention now in postmenopausal women. Right. And this is the only trial with a, with a Rimidex. There's one other trial with exemestane, which also shows a, a substantial 60%, roughly, a benefit, but that was a short-term follow-up. This is the only long-term follow-up study, and again, the results are really very promising. Okay. Now, I know um, there seemed to be some suggestion in the results because, you know, while the women were taking it, 
the effects seem to be higher. And while it was still good after they stopped taking it, um, it may be suggested that would taking it for taking Arimidex for longer than five years offer more or better results? I think that's a very interesting question. We, we didn't anticipate what was going to happen, and we've just seen these results now, which do suggest that potentially uh, longer treatment or possibly some kind of intermittent schedule, which maybe you stop for a few years and then you restart again, might be better. Now, that's a really exciting prospect, but it will be a difficult one to evaluate properly. Okay. Now, I want to talk about side effects because we know that a lot of women who have been diagnosed with breast cancer don't take their either tamoxifen or aromatase inhibitor as prescribed. Um, people, women who are at high risk are maybe a little hesitant to take medicine because they've heard about the side effects sure. and their concern. Now, in your study, you had about 70% adherence, which is really high compared to the numbers we see like just tossed about Yeah, we had 77% adherence in okay. the placebo arm and 75.6% in the, in the anastrozole arimidex arm. So the differences were really very, very small, and they bring out a point which I think isn't well recognized, that a lot of these side effects are usually musculoskeletal aches and pains, arthralgias, or, or hot, hot flashes. Um, these are quite common, of course, in women at early postmenopausal age. Mm -hmm. And in fact, they were so high in the placebo that most of that effect was nothing to do with the drug. So, for example, we looked at uh, musculoskeletal aches and pains. 64% reported them in the Arimidex arm, but it was 58% in the placebo arm. So there's a small increase, but most of those effects are actually just to do with aging and the fact that... Uh, as we get older, we all get aches and pains. And if you could blame it on something, you certainly would, but that doesn't mean it's true. Okay. Now, I do want to ask, too, you were very careful to look at the women's bone health in the study. All the women had a DEXA scan before they went into the study. Correct. And then if they did have osteoporosis or osteopenia, they were treated with a bisphosphonate. Um, I don't know. I'm not a doctor, but could that in any way have lessened the severity of any joint pain that they might have been experiencing? We don't think so because, in fact, the, the effect of, uh, of Arimidex is to actually reduce the density of the bone. It's inside the bone. It's nothing with, to do with the joints. And the bisphosphonate actually builds up the density of the bone itself, but it shouldn't have much to do with joints. So we don't think that's likely to, to have happened. Okay. Now, I also want to ask, too, there has been some suggestion that bisphosphonates may help reduce the risk of breast cancer. So do you think that played any role in the study results at all? Um, well, it's an interesting question. Not that many women were actually taking bisphosphonates. It was only the ones that were, that were osteoporotic or some of the ones that were osteopenic, not all of them. So it would have been of the order of 15 to 20 percent of the population that would, have been, would, would be taking them. So we don't think that's the case. We've looked very carefully at that because we thought that the bisphosphonates are a potential drug to be used for breast cancer prevention. There, were, there have been a couple of studies that are not randomized that have found an effect of women taking bisphosphonates. But if you look at the contralateral breasts in women with breast cancer where bisphosphonates are used for treatment, um, we found no effect there at all. And that's been a very good measure of the effects of other drugs. So I think it's still a possibility, but I think it's looking less likely than we'd hoped. Okay. And then finally, the last few questions. Um, now, Arimidex or Anastrozole is not approved in this country, in the United States, by the Food and Drug Administration to be used as a preventive medicine. But 
your results in 2003, I know a lot, a lot of doctors thought, oh, well, we could prescribe this off-label and use it that way. Um, do you think anybody would ever petition for it to be approved in that way? Well, the challenge is that only the uh, manufacturer can actually seek a license for an extended indication. And with a drug that's off-patent, the costs of that make it very difficult for, for AstraZeneca to, to, to do that. Now, in the United States, it has been recommended by the U.S. Preventing Services Task Force to be used. So there, there is some uh, formal recognition that this is a good idea in the United States, in addition to the same kind of formal uh, approval we've had from the, the NICE Committee, the National Institute for Clinical Excellence, which rec recommends it for postmenopausal women at high risk. Okay, then that's in Europe. In, in, in the United, in the United it, Kingdom. Just in, in the United UK, United, right. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay, but I want to make sure I understand it right. Even if it isn't approved specifically for that use, if a doctor had a patient that felt might benefit, the, the doctor could prescribe The doctors it. are free to make those decisions, and, okay. there is a, and they have enough backing now because of the fact that major bodies have recommended it. The reason doctors are cautious is, is that if something happens for an off-label use, they're in more liable for, for problems, but it's been recommended by several important bodies. So that, I think, is not a major problem. Okay. All right. Thank you very much for your time. My pleasure.